Hey guys, welcome to Combat Connections, connecting all things combat. You're watching the second episode of the day class with Lower, Lucario, and Masa. So what we're going to be doing today for all of you people out there is really letting you know who we are and what we're about. So what's up guys, I'm Luca. You guys may know me from doing all the sort of film breakdowns on this YouTube channel and a couple of the uh, longer Instagram posts. I am a pr practitioner of currently Shurinji Kempo, a Japanese hybrid system martial art combining karate, jiu-jitsu, boxing, and kung fu. I used to be a practitioner of Wing Chun Kung Fu, and these are my two main martial arts. So I also have some experience in different variations of boxing and kickboxing. My goal in the martial arts is to just really have fun with it and learn as much as I can about all the styles that interest me. But also, I would love to go into uh, martial arts filmmaking. I'm, uh, I'm a big fan of Jackie Chan movies, and uh, it's a really big inspiration to me. And I want to I want to be able to create fun martial arts comedy like Jackie Chan and Bruce So my experience with martial arts goes back. I'm currently an instructor in Kinkojuku Karate as well as training Muay Thai, Iskurema, and Namino Jiu-Jitsu. What I'm hoping to accomplish with martial arts is, as I've already competed internationally in both striking and grappling, I'm currently wanting to get in the cage to merge the two. You may know me for all the weebish posts we've been making lately. And I do this just because I enjoy hitting people. <laughs> That'll work. I, I think we all enjoy hitting people. That's something we can agree on here. Yeah, hitting people is fun. Hey everyone, it's Masa. I have a base in Shaolin Kempo. It's a nice blend of karate and kung fu. We have the usual punching, kicking, and joint locks and such. I did that for a number of years, got to brown belt. Uh, then I had to move, found a new place, and I now practice Muay Thai. I've been doing that for about five months now. Uh, my last art didn't compete, but my current gym does, so I hope to be able to do some amateur fights when I finally stop letting people punch me in the face as much. With Combat Connections, we're really wanting to dispel this superiority complex that many martial artists have. Instead of feeling that one martial art is better than others just because what have they what they have achieved, I think that we should start expressing that martial artists and martial arts in general have more in common than more differential between the two. So combat connection to me is being able to find the bridges between all the martial arts and being able to improve ourselves as people and as martial artists. In my old art, once you reached a certain level of black belt, you had to start giving back to the martial arts community in order to keep going higher in the art. While I never got to black belt, I always loved the idea of being able to give back. Even though I'm not a master in any martial art, I think that combat connection is still a great way to help connect us all and a great way to give back to the community. We also created this platform just for us to be able to have fun with our martial arts. During the lockdown that's been happening for the past year and a half, we're trying to like let people have fun with martial arts even when they can't do their martial arts. We're not all like high-level competitors or experts in our martial arts. We're just people that enjoy it and have fun with it. That's really the point here is that we just want to be able to enjoy martial arts and help other people enjoy it. Um, I definitely enjoy being able to be exposed to more martial arts and being able to see more techniques and fight choreographs and also seeing the diff similar techniques over a wide variety of arts. I am currently an instructor in my hometown and I really push the merging of different martial arts. My students a lot of times like hearing the things that I'll voice my opinions on to them and they like having them in a written form. So I figured if we share it through Combat Connections, then it will also be spreading it to those 
who may not have been able to find the information elsewhere. You've already been seeing content from us mostly on our Instagram and Facebook page. This this content that you've seen is just the beginning. We're going to share the knowledge that we have and try and get knowledge from the community. See what you guys have to say about it. See what your experiences in your martial arts, if you have any, or what questions you have about the martial arts, and help bring everyone together in that sense. The, con- the content that you've seen from us so far on our Instagram and Facebook page is just the beginning point of where we want to go with it. We want to create a lot of original content showing karate, katabunkai, judo in real life, the uses of like weapons retention and training in the Filipino arts, the crossover between Chinese arts and Thai arts and Japanese arts, and even the crossover between like Eastern and Western martial arts go into some weapon stuff, experiment with things. There is so much that we plan to do, and it's just going to keep getting better and better from here. I would primarily like to spread the dispelling of misinformation. For example, the recent post that we put out on the difference between bunkai and actual application. Too often, than, more often than not here, especially within the States, you'll find people who are misguided in their interpretations of the martial arts. I feel that here at Combat Connections, we have the opportunity to spread real information and have people learn how things are meant to be taught, how things are meant to be acknowledged, not to have people teaching misinformation, but to have people know what they're actually talking about. Now we've gone through all of that sort of like formal introduction shit, let's move on to the meat and substance of this episode, eh? Let's move on to the real hard questions. We're starting off with, yo guys, which martial art is going to fuck up a zombie? Which martial art would work best against a zombie? Hema? Eskrema? I mean, what you going to do? You're going to cut the head off. I'm not going to be boxing with a thing. I'm not going to get close so they can bite me. Cut the head off. You say you say you won't get close, but, you know, isn't Eskrema like short sticks, bro? No, like the abbreviation Lameco. Largo. Medio, corto, long range, medium range, close range. Stay huh, as far as you can. Just extend, cut the head off. That's a really big mis- uh, That's a really big misconception about scrima or the Filipino arts in general. They're meant to be applied everywhere. Different styles specialize in different areas, but it can be applied wherever it needs to be. Well, see, here I am. I'm thinking. Like, zombies, they come at you in hordes, you know, a big swarm. So you need to be able to deal with a lot of them at once. So this might be the one time that Wushu weapon swarms come in handy. You, know? you get that massive ringed Meowdow or whatever it is, and just do your spins and circles with it. You're, tro- you're chopping off, like, ten zombie heads. You're your monkey staff form, and you're just, like, swinging. I, I don't know. I think I feel like that has to be, you know? So I was thinking about this, and I was thinking Kendo might be good against this, um, considering they have all of that armor they wear, including a face cage thing that would help prevent them from being bitten, and then their weapon is long range. I was also thinking that, or maybe an archery, since you'd be able to attack them from a very long range, and then it's also quieter than a gun, so it should help with not attracting more zombies, because usually in the movies, you know, you shoot something and then it attracts more zombies and everyone's like, oh, gotta be quiet. So, maybe archery or something like that. 
I think it depends which zombies you're talking about as well. Like, are we going for, like, they're all, like, your classic rotting corpse can't move zombies? Or are we going, like, 24 days Resident later. Evil's Evil going to jump off out of the sky and land on you and just, like, rush zombies, you know? Yeah, sprinters. Because if it's that kind of zombies, then your martial art needs to be a fucking assault rifle. <laughs> That's true. I don't know. I think Kendo with all that armor they wear would be a good one. Just you know what wears more armor than Kendo? Hema. CKD. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, and um, no hate space space karate. Well, in Muay Thai, for when we spar, um, the younger kids they have to wear that that chest armor thing that I usually associate with TKD. In addition to like oh, yeah. the headgear, which. The adults don't wear the headgear. <laughs> I mean, Kempo wears that stuff. It's just generally lighter than the CKD one. I mean, your Kempo does. My Kempo didn't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, specifically uh, Shrinky. Not, yeah. I mean, they're both Shaolin, just American, Japanese. Yeah. So, guys, a pretty common question that we're going to come across, or that we do come across, whenever there's someone new joining a community in martial arts, is what is the best? martial arts. Now, obviously, the answer is green salamander or yellow bamboo. But, um, or, you know what? Bald eagle claw. But, besides the obvious high tiers, what's the best martial art, guys? I'm gonna go really philosophical with this, in a sense. Whatever you can realistically make work. If you can make Aikido work on somebody, sure, go for it. If you can make falling to the ground and hugging them with your legs, I mean, BJJ, if you can make it work, sure, go for it. If you can tie box with somebody, go for it. If you're carrying a stick around all the time, you can pull it out and pop them upside the head, sure, do kendo. Do whatever you can realistically apply. Because in the end, it really falls down to what you would decide to spend your time on. If the shit hits the fan, you're not going to be sitting there thinking about each individual movement. Your body's going to panic, and it's going to resort to, hey, what do I have memorized in my muscle memory? Oh, I'm used to punching air? I'm going to punch air. If you're used to focusing your force and actually meeting another person, yeah, go for it. It's whatever you can make work. But for the average Joe, if I'm recommending someone in art to start in, good judo. Train good judo with just as much ground game as as the stand-up they have. You can apply it and make it work. But nothing hits harder than the planet. That, that That's a really good answer. It reminds me of a quote that I saw recently from uh, from uh, Doug Markaida. And it, uh, he said, uh, if two men are fighting and they're both just using the simple stuff, if two men are fighting and fighting is simple, then what makes one better than the other? It's because my simple is complicated. And if I can make the complicated stuff simple, then my simple is better than your simple. Whatever works for you, whatever you train well is going to work for you. It doesn't matter how complicated it is compared to that. If you train it properly and make it work, then it's good. So, I mean, when it comes to the best martial art, it kind of depends on what you want from the art. Like, some people want discipline. Some people just want that physical outlet. Uh, some people, you know, want to meditate on spirituality or something. Uh, it's different 
from person to person. Like me, I want to be able to punch the shit out of something. So something gentle and calm isn't going to be the best art for me. But someone who maybe is more interested in finding that inner peace and calm, probably not going to want to do Muay Thai. Um, but if we're talking about something like what's, you know, the best for self-defense, I, again, think that depends person to person. Because I think judo is awesome. I'd love to learn more of it. Um, being short, I've got a lower center of gravity. You know, that that's in my benefit. But if I'm trying to defend against someone with a knife, I probably don't want to get that close to them. You know, um, someone who's really tall might have trouble getting that lower center of gravity for a judo. Obviously, I'm not an expert. That's something lower would be able to tell you on how all well that adaption works. Um, but, you know, some arts are better for people with longer reach that I w don't have that longer reach. Um, and then it's also kind of what does your body naturally gravitate towards? Like, we're all going to be better at something and it's not going to be the same as everyone else. So it really just kind of goes back to what do you, how are you defining best as? And then what are you seeking out of the art? Because, I mean, with self-defense, I mean, yeah, we can generally, like, cut out some arts. But for the most part, every self-defense situation isn't necessarily going to be the same. Maybe they have a gun. Maybe they have a knife. Maybe it's a group of people. Maybe you see them coming. Maybe you're completely blindsided, you know. Maybe it starts off as one person and then their gang shows up. I mean, they're just way too many variables. So I think it really determines on what your personal definition of best is. Uh, because a, a art being the best might just be what art is going to make you the best person you are. And again, that that's personal. You know, are we talking about you being the best as just being a better person? Are we talking about you being in like the best shape of your life? Are you talking about having a better, you know, social community? So I don't, I know this is a sucky answer, but I don't think you can say, you know, X, Y, Z are the best martial arts because the martial arts journey is so personal. So it really, it varies. There's just too much variables, but that's one of the things I love about this. You can spend forever on one question just thinking because there are just so many different angles you can look at something from. Well, that transitions on quite nicely to our next question, which is, are Aikido, Taekwondo, and other arts in that sort of similar area effective? I guess I'll go first on this. Yes, within reason. If you add some resistance into the equation, then you have something of value. I've met some Taekwondo practitioners who could kick with the best of them, and they look really beautiful in training. But as soon as you hit them, they just lose their mind. They have no application. But I've also met some Taekwondo practitioners, especially in the Alabama area, who train it for full contact. They train it under pressure. Aikido is the same. As long as you pressure test it, I see nothing wrong with it. If it works for you, sure, go for it. To summarize, add some resistance into it and you have something of value. I think there is value to be found in any martial art. And uh, like Loa said, if you put resistance into a martial art, I think eventually pressure testing it will bring it around to the point where it is effective just from the fact that you get used to doing what 
is not going to get you hurt. But um, just talking about the bare bones of like this basic question, something like Aikido, where in general they don't spar and the techniques have been modified from the original source to where they are less effective than the Aikijutsu would be. I think there's still some form of use to be found in. We we've talked about it before. Aikido has like I, Aikido has a really good training in stuff like breakfalling. Their focus is on staying safe and continuing training for meditative purposes. And for that reason of staying safe, they train a lot of breakfalling. I mean, they can probably take a throw or a fall better than a lot of judoka, definitely better than a lot of BJJ guys. Yeah? They also have a really good understanding of, like, joint manipulation. They have nowhere joints connect. They know that this finger connects to this tendon in this part of the wrist if you twist it this way and pull this arm out like that. Can they apply it? Possibly not, but it's a good understanding that you can bring into other styles when you start cross-training. And we've seen before uh, in the history of Aikido a lot of judoka who have transitioned over and created their own style and it becomes a very effective sort of like Kind of like a no-gi judo, you know, with, like, wrist throws and stuff. Uh, as for other arts, they, like, taekwondo. Tomiki Aikido is a big example of this. Yeah. So other arts, if you go into, like, let's not just call out taekwondo. Let's go for any sort of point, stop point based or really light contact continuous. It gives you good cardio, gives you good flexibility. You get a really good understanding of getting in and out. You see all the point karate guys that get into full contact. They can get in there, get their shots off, and get out before the dude even knows what happened. They're quick. The question is, can those shots do anything without external training? I've seen some examples. I've seen a handful of point fighting where they don't give you the point unless that hit really connects and can do something. And that, I think, would have some use. Otherwise, it's a good spool. It's easy to keep track of, but it doesn't have self-defense application. So, when we're talking about effective arts and talking about Aikido and Taekwondo and stuff, I mean, it kind of depends if you're talking about them in isolation. And then, again, as Lo said, are we talking about them having any resistance against them? Because I think there are benefits to Taekwondo and Aikido. Uh, I think it's kind of like a lot of arts, though, where if you only train them in isolation, you are doing yourself a disservice. I actually did Aikido for a little bit um, in college. And one of the things, you know, we focused on joint manipulation and then a whole lot of roles. And I think there's something to be said about being able to learn that joint manipulation, getting a better understanding of the human anatomy, and then also being able to go from, you know, being off balance to, you know, rolling and then getting back up on your feet immediately. I think those are beneficial and yeah if you're out on the street you probably don't want to roll on glass but you also don't want to just you know face plant into glass and just stay there 
So I think there's something to be said. Also with Aikido, I found that, again, I didn't take this for a very long time, but you kind of get a sense of the person's energy and a little bit of their flow, if that makes sense. So I would kind of liken it to a, a chi sao sort of drill where you start to get an idea of how the person is moving. So I would say that there is benefit in that, even though we didn't spar pressure test anything. Um, there is something to be said about getting a better idea of the human body. Again, getting up real fast without, you know, just laying there dead. And then just starting to understand how the body moves. It, uh, we know when you're looking at your opponent. And then when it comes to Taekwondo, I know they get a lot of flack, but they really know how to work on their balance and their flexibility and their reach. And, you know, I, I'm five foot one. I understand the benefit of reach and I definitely understand the, the problems with not having that reach. So again, you know, if we're looking at these as isolated things, yeah, you can argue that they're not great, they're not effective, but, you know, if we're talking about Again, self-defense, why would you limit yourself, you know? Like, yeah, Kempo is great, but if I can also learn more outside that, I, I think that's the better option, you know? Being able to kick really high, I mean, there, there's something my grandmaster would say, you know, if you can kick high really well, you can kick low really well. And if you can kick high fast, you should be able to kick lower even faster um not that you should kick low he'll kill you um but it's just you know are you looking at these as isolation or you know is there resistance again you know resistance is always a good thing uh, pressure testing but i think to completely knock off you know a martial art it just say oh it's completely useless really does it a disservice because, you know, again, people go in for a variety of reasons. Maybe they're looking for a community or a more spiritual aspect. Uh, but also, I think that these other martial arts that a lot of people like to shit on, they, they actually do have some important things that other martial arts can learn from. But again, it, it's kind of like, why would you learn anything in pure isolation when you can go out and see what else is out there? Like, I loved the Kempo, you know, I did. I thought it was great being able to trap, joint lock, all of that kind of stuff. But we didn't have any sort of grappling, you know? So what happens if I got to the ground? Well, I'm screwed. You know, likewise, if someone who only does grappling, you know, the fight starts on your feet. Well, if all they know is get the person down, you know, that's not always the best idea either. So I think, you know, again, with the Taekwondo, being able to balance, having that flexibility, I mean, they're known for being pretty fast. And sometimes you don't need a lot of power. Maybe you just need that fast snap to, to get the person to flinch. And then you follow up with something or maybe you just run off. So I think they can be effective, but not in isolation, but I think that goes with m most martial arts. So transitioning from our last question about what are considered to be the less effective in those areas, wrongly or rightly so, um, what do you guys think 
is the problem with traditional martial arts. Now, obviously, all of us here have a pretty strong traditional martial arts base. Mine is in uh, Kung Fu and Kempo. Masa's is in Kempo. And Logan's is in Karate and Filipino art and Judo. But most people don't include that, so whatever. Uh, obviously, it's pretty hard to deny that there's a bit of an issue with I don't know. I, I'm obviously I'm not in America. I'd say in America, it's maybe a solid sixty percent of traditional schools have a bit of a problem going on. I don't know if that's fair. You guys can correct me. What's the issue with traditional art? What is their biggest problem? I guess I'll go first. The biggest issue with traditional arts: limitations within methods. I think that's the way I'll phrase it. If you think about it, those who don't pressure test, they tend to have the biggest voices. That makes sense? Yeah. For example, what's more common, full contact or sport karate? Sport karate, because that's what you hear about. You don't hear about full contact as much. Just like that last post you did on full contact karate, remember? You had such a problem trying to find full contact on YouTube. But you didn't have any issues finding sport karate. The reason they have no issue finding full contact Kung Fu though. The reason that I would say that sport karate has a bigger voice is because one, you don't feel as much pain, therefore you're more likely to stick to it. Two, children would really enjoy it because it's it appears to them as a hey, this is a sport. I can do this with my friends. It doesn't seem violent. They think of it as a game. Really, that's what's hurting that's really what's hurting traditional arts. They're limited by the people who want to train them, and they're limited by their methods. Lots of traditional arts that want to sit there and spout the gospel saying, we're the most legitimate, effective art out there. They're wrong for that in the first place. The most effective is whatever you can apply. But where they're really wrong is many of them don't even pressure test. They don't spar. We've talked to people before who train traditional arts, and they say, well, we never spar. It's too dangerous. You can train within limit. You don't have to sit there and just eye gouge whoever you fight. To simulate an eye gouge, what do you do? Open your hand, touch them in the forehead, just like a palm heel. Simulate kicking someone in the groin, what do you do? Kick the inside of the leg. All you have to do is get good. There's no reason for anyone who trains and claims to be an effective system There's no reason for them to sit there and never pressure test. That's what hurts traditional arts. That is what causes issues. As long as you can effectively apply it, then it's fine. But people nowadays, whenever they're looking into martial arts, they're more likely to feel that MMA is more effective than the traditional arts. Why? Because they see all this brutality and all this violence within the cage, which there's nothing wrong with that. It's entertaining. But sitting there, you're more likely to watch MMA than you are sport karate. Why? Because it's more entertaining for you. So whenever you're looking at it that way, sport karate doesn't seem as effective because they touch each other and they're done. MMA seems a lot more effective because how does it usually end? With a knockout, a technical knockout, or a submission. Make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, in my opinion, the biggest issue with traditional art, a lot of people, you ask anyone who's not a traditional martial artist or 
even some that are traditional martial artists, they will say the biggest issue is that people will stick to the traditions and not evolve. It's the exact opposite. People will pretend to know tradition and then they'll say, well, the traditions will say we do it this way and then we don't stray. They don't know the tradition. They don't know the history. They've lost a lot of it because no art, well, I can't say no, but you know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna say no because it's like 99%. No martial art is created to not be a martial art. It's made to fight. So why would they make it so that it's bad? You know, like lower. You may remember we had this conversation with someone, and they were like, "Well, karate shouldn't spar. Chojun Miyagi wouldn't spar." And we were just like, "What are you talking about?" You know, do you remember that? Yeah, I remember that, but there is one thing I'd like to add on what you just said. Growing up, yeah, go ahead. I'm, growing up in elementary school, your primary school, whatever you guys call it over there in the UK, can you remember playing the game where the teacher would tell you something and you tell the person next to you and it'd make a whole trip around the room and by the time it got to the last person, it's a completely different phrase or it's a completely different sentence. That is a really good learning point for martial arts. People want to stay within tradition, quote-unquote. People are naturally going to change what they hear. They're going to... <laughs> they're going to um, change the phrasing. They're going to change the way it was spoken to them. They're just going to change everything. So you may have one man who creates his own system. We'll call him Person A, right, going through the alphabet. Person A will create a system to be done a specific way have a certain tradition to be followed within this. He'll teach his student, person B. All right? They will have 99% of the same exact philosophy within the martial art because it's the it's person A's system. But by the time you get to Z, you're going to have a completely different system because personal views and personal thoughts on the matter will influence how the art is perceived. Tradition doesn't really exist in 80% of today's training centers. Tradition is just their own interpretation of such. Yeah, and um, what, what was I? Uh, I completely lost it. Uh, oh yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, I think we're all aware of a um, of someone specifically who um, misinterprets and misrepresents a lot of um, Japanese martial arts specifically and a lot of people eat it up and um i think that's the big issue is it's something so foreign in concept for these people that they'll take anything for authority on it because what do they know compared to this person who has this knowledge you know and it's so easy to spread that misinformation like that an example of misinformation is in my background right i'm currently training namido jiu-jitsu which includes judo yeah <laughs> So it is a full grappling system. I have my nagewaza, I have my newaza, I have everything I need. Previously, I trained Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for a number of years. I enjoyed it at the time, but in my years training it, we hardly had any decent stand-up. It was just the ground game. Okay, that's fine and dandy, but when I would go off on trips and train with different individuals who also trained BJJ at the time, I would speak to them, and 
their whole teaching method was, well, you know, BJJ has the ground game, but judo has the stand-up. Okay, because you look at the Olympics, you see lots of major throws. Okay. They would share to their students that BJJ is the only system that has a good ground game. That judo in itself has no ground game. Nothing of use. They would use that as the whole argument for why BJJ itself was created. Because they saw something that was not there and wanted to create it. Alright? I thought about this. And I bought it for maybe a year, and I started looking into other people to train with. I trained with him while training BJJ, and I made a realization. Judo has just as much of a ground game as BJJ. Japanese Jiu-Jitsu does as well. It's all in your mindset and how you train it. But this has me thinking now, if they were telling all of their students that Judo has no ground game, their students are going to have that mindset, Judo has no ground game. We can't do anything on the ground if we're training Judo. They'll keep that mindset, and then they'll open their own school, and they'll tell their own students. And sooner or later, that becomes the gospel to them. They believe that, hey, our grandmaster says that judo has no ground game, that all Japanese arts that, that, all Japanese arts that include grappling are purely the stand-up. A big argument I hear all the time is that judo has a very limited ground game. Whenever I will tell them that judo does have a ground game, they'll argue, well, it's extremely limited. I haven't found anything that's shown within BJJ that cannot be found within judo. We've been doing this little research piece for a couple of months now, right? We haven't been able to find yeah, anything. Yeah, we, we've, been, we've been going between communities. For those who know, we've been uh, going into as many martial arts communities as we can find, asking judoka, BJJ practitioners, and anyone who has any knowledge in the area, what does BJJ have that is not part of the judo system? And so far, we have got one answer lower, is it? One, we've got um, Imanari roll. No, Imanari ended up being found within Kosen Judo. Oh, there you go. And uh, we, that's actually, we'll have that as an open challenge. Not, uh, yeah, we'll have that as an open challenge. Anyone who sees this, who thinks that they have the answer, what does BJJ have that Judo does not have? All right. Now, before we administer this challenge to all viewers, I would like to point out something. We are, we are pointing out this challenge in good faith. I have nothing against BJJ practitioners. None of us do. If they can apply it, sure, it works. We're merely wanting it for the historical value and for content for our viewers. If you can find something that is not within judo, that has never been found within Japanese jiu-jitsu or judo, then we'll make a post on it. We will point it out. We will congratulate you because so far no one has been able to find anything. But this goes back to things change because the person who told them did not tell them with 100% truth. Make sense? Yeah, that's pretty true. Uh, Master, what about you? What do you think? Um, regarding traditional arts, uh, I don't think there's any problem with traditional arts um i mean it kind of depends what you want from the art as i always say uh some people want discipline some people just want to beat the crap out of people you know as long as it isn't blind devotion like assuming that your particular art is superior um and that you know again with blind devotion you have to make sure it's not a cult because there are some martial arts cults out there 
um, even non-martial art, I mean, even non-cults have some culty aspects, you know, like in Kempo, you know, there was a hierarchy, you know, there was the ma grandmaster, the master, the senseis, you know, the, the higher belts, um, wearing the same gi. I mean, yeah, we had white gis and black gis, but, you know, it's basically conforming and then everyone ki-eyeing in sync. I mean, it's hard to argue that those aren't kind of culty aspects, but it shouldn't be an actual cult. You know, it shouldn't be blind devotion. It's not supposed to be abusive. You know, there's conditioning, but then there's also abuse, which is not the same thing. Like, you shouldn't be scared to go to seminars or classes that are outside of your school or your style. And then um, going a bit back to the not sparring because an art is too dangerous. I mean, I, I spar Muay Thai and we don't wear headgear. Um, so that's kind of a joke. And, and as Lowe said, you know, there are ways to simulate attacks without actually harming your opponent. And to me, part of excelling in an art and mastering it isn't just getting the speed and the power and the targeting. It's being able to control that power. Honestly, I'm more impressed by someone who can go fast and pull their power at the last second over someone who can, for example, break a bunch of bricks with their head. Like the whole point of mastering the art isn't just so you can go hog wild. It's so you can actually use the technique. So the whole an art's too dangerous to spar just doesn't fly with me at all. Like I, I know one of the things in Kempo is we would you know, like if we were to, we don't, we didn't punch the face. That was just something we didn't do when we sparred, but we absolutely simulated it. You know, we would make sure we'd punch, but we stopped before their face and we'd make sure that our arm wasn't totally extended. We wanted to show that, yeah, we could have followed through, you know, if we actually wanted to punch them in the face, as opposed to being like, well, I don't have any more reach. So there's something to be said about the control aspect. And if you're, you know, learning from someone who doesn't understand that, then I'd find another class. But uh, when it comes to traditional arts, you know, again, but, but the thing with like the blind devotion, the art it being too dangerous, like all of that isn't a traditional art specific problem. Like that could be with any art. Um, so traditional arts as themselves, you know, people misunderstand concepts like there have been t tons of times when I thought I understood the lesson perfectly and then in the execution it's like no this is not what I meant you know so it's so easy for things to get misinterpreted over the years I mean this is even an issue with religion you know like how many versions of the bible out there and how many versions are the quote-unquote real true authentic version I mean there's just so much that that happens within the same language. And then when you start translating into other languages, I mean, there are nuances in language that don't always translate very well. And then if you have someone who's an amateur translator, I mean, there's even more lost in that translation. So I just, there is no true, you know, quote unquote, pure tradition because a master of one thing who quote unquote created an art probably learned from a bunch of other people too. And when they did, they altered things then too. So, 
I mean, at that point, it's just a name. It's not actually, you know, the quote-unquote true stuff. And, I mean, again, it, English. yeah. Within English, there's hundreds of versions of the Bible. Yeah. It's also been translated into more than 2,000 languages. Yeah, and, and how many versions. Yeah, there are so many versions of just Christianity, like, so <laughs> alone. So, I mean, it's not just something specific to the martial arts things just translate. I mean, even in the United States, even when we're not talking about religion, like if we're just talking about words, there are words that aren't racist in some parts of the country um, that are absolutely racist. We are not doing this again. <laughs> I'm not, I don't want to bring up any of the words, but there have been misunderstandings because even in the same country, you know, a single word can mean something else. Uh, so imagine an entire story. Now imagine an entire art with philosophies and techniques. Like, there is no way it's not going to change from person to person if we can't even agree on what a word means. And that's my long-winded <laughs> response on traditional arts that veered way off the question. So um, that actually ties in really well to what me and Laura both said within our responses. So I think a good TLDR, and you guys can add on to this if you don't think it's a good TLDR, would be um, blind devotion to something that may not even be the truth because it's been passed down from one person to the next with that same blind devotion with a misunderstanding, a misrepresentation. Something could have been said wrong 40 years ago, and that through being passed down through the separation between the cultures and the languages, and then through this blind devotion, became what people believe to be true. So it's I... misunderstanding and things being passed down becoming less and less accurate to the original, but being believed because it's from your master, your grandmaster. There is something I would like to add to this. A real-life account all right. Okay. We all know what Shotokan is, right? Yep. Not naming any names, but there was a specific Shotokan instructor back in the early days who was at a tournament, and he went to do either Gojushio Sho or Gojushio Dai, two different katas with similar names, right? One is the short version, one is the long version. Realistically look, speaking, you look at them, and they're about the same length. The instructor said the wrong name for the kata he was doing. So he said Gojushio Sho when he was supposed to be doing Gojushio Dai. His students, out of respect, switched the names. And to this day, you see that they have a different name. That is a pure example of this. Sometimes respect can go too far. So our next question, moving away from the traditional arts, is a question that we get a lot from uh, new people into the martial arts world or into our communities is, uh, do you watch MMA? Somewhat. I don't watch MMA for the MMA, if that makes sense. I do something that I invite all the viewers and even you two to go and try. I also tell my students all the time to look for this. I watch MMA on occasion to see if I can witness and point out indirect application of tra traditional arts. I like to find 
techniques that are found within traditional arts, quote unquote, that are being applied by the same fighters who dispel the effectiveness of traditional arts in the first place. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, actually, a good example of this I saw yesterday. I was watching some Anderson Silva highlights, and everyone knows Anderson Silva trained JKD with uh, Danny Nasanto. And uh, there's a compilation of his use of the, of the JKD Wing Chun tip. And uh, he didn't do particularly well with it. All respect to the man, he, he kind of messed it up. But there was one thing I saw yesterday just in one of his unrelated fights, that highlight reel, that I recognized as a technique was the uh, JKD uh, lead straight. And I was like, huh, that, that's actually uh, pretty cool that he made a good use of that. And I think he used it in a knockout as well. One thing that I would like to point out if we're talking about knockouts or TKOs is everyone was really caught up whenever Conor McGregor got the, um, the knockdown with his shoulder. You guys remember that? Yeah, I remember. Whenever he was fighting Cerrone. That same application can be found within the, um, the kata hand sandan. Some styles refer to it as pinan sandan. There's a specific point in the kata where you were meant to use your elbow and shoulder in unison. And I've, I've witnessed several men bunkai this and try to break it down and analyze it so the foreigners would understand that, hey, you're doing a kata, you're not just sitting there doing this specific movement. They've applied it within clinch work. It's the same thing as whenever you're grappling, if you're pummeling. It has applications there. But yeah, if you guys want to be challenged, go and watch the Conor McGregor fight with Cerrone. Watch what happens. Watch the um, shoulder strikes into it. Then I want you to go and watch a video of Han Sandan. See if you can point out the specific movement that can be bunk bunkied and um, shown to be, hey, this is what it could be. And then I don't want you just to stop at the bunkai. I want you to apply it. Show some oyo. I want you to show that it can work because McGregor already has. Whenever I saw his uh, shoulder check, I actually, my first thought was not karate. My first thought was Chinese art, obviously. Um, uh, if you've ever, uh, if anyone's ever seen the Jackie Chan Drunken Master film, uh, you'll know that shoulder shoulder checks are a pretty big thing in at least his interpretation of that style. But actually, what uh, you'll find a lot of elbow and shoulder checks in is the Chinese art of Budgie Twin. It's actually like one of the uh, key attacks is using the elbow and shoulder with the uh, strong hit to knock back. You know what? There's actually a um, really good point on that. So one thing that... One thing I'd like to point out is the, the post that we recently did on Kenichi the Mightiest Disciple. That is not including all the different techniques found within that show. Right? It's an entertaining show. I watched it a couple years back. I like to watch it because a student brought it up to me. He's like, hey, look at this. You can find some of the things that we've worked in class being shown that's really almost true within the show. So I decided, hey, I'll give it a, I'll give it a, um, I'll give it a look. The shoulder check, striking with a shoulder. This is funny because you brought up Chinese martial arts. The character Kensei Ma, which is the um, Chinese Kempo quote-unquote instructor within um, Kenichi the Mightiest Disciple, 
he has shown doing it within one fight scene. And that would actually be a really good breakdown for us to do, to compare Kensei Ma to Conor McGregor. So um, as for my answer to this question, UFC bulls the hell out of me. I'm not gonna hold. I'm not gonna lie about that. Like, I I enjoy Israel Adesanya. I enjoy Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. In general, as a rule, I can't. I, I can't sit through an, a, a UFC fight. However, UFC is not all MMA, and I can say that I genuinely enjoy fights from one championship. I can say that I genuinely think. I'll tell you what, female MMA fights are tend to be more enjoyable. Like, they tend to be more aggressive. They tend to have a lot more blitzing and clinching up. And they're just, it, it just actually is much more happening. Can, can you guys agree to that in general? Yeah, I can. But My coach was saying know... something similar yesterday about how he prefers watching women fight because they tend to use, they don't muscle through as much and they tend to use more technique. Okay, not going on the technique part of things, because Lord knows he did not have it. The last entertaining fight within the UFC has to be Don Fry's last fights. I'm just going to leave it at that, because you know I'm a Don Fry fanboy. Because you're a fanboy. Yes, I'm a fanboy. But, um, well, well, yeah, so I genuinely enjoy watching one championship fight. Uh, but also a good uh, a good division that I've seen recently, and it's not entirely MMA rules. It uh, you get ten seconds ground before you're stood up. However, um, it's literally a tournament in a in the cage where martial arts have been put against each other. Like they have Wing Chun, uh, Southern Shaolin, Tai Chi, Taekwondo, Kyokushin, Muay Thai. And that's uh, the King of Dragons tournament that's been going on recently. And uh, if you guys, if anyone watching this has not heard of King of Dragons, I strongly suggest you look it up. It's got some really impressive fights. Um, I don't watch MMA. I don't have the attention span for that. Uh, sometimes I'll watch little clips of it on Instagram. Uh, but yeah, I just don't have the attention span for that kind of stuff. I'd rather spend my time... Well practicing stuff and improving one thing i'll well, say about mma is again what we've been saying earlier it's some of it's just kind of hard to watch because it's kind of boring and people will often say well why would they risk using a flashy technique for something that looks cool and besides from the fact that we've it's an undeniable fact at this point we have seen that these techniques can do a devastating amount of damage because these are professional fighters and they pull and they train to pull stuff like that off. And if they can mix it in with their standard striking, it's really devastating. But besides from that fact, UFC, MMA, it's still entertainment. And the personality is what you come to entertainment for. It doesn't matter if it's combat sport, general sports, just a TV show, it's to have fun, you know, and that's why, again, some of my favorite fighters in the UFC, Israel Adesanya, 
the style bender. That dude is like on some next level weave shit, and I respect the hell out of it. And Wonder Boy, he pulls off all this really cool. We were talking earlier about how like the sport karate, they can move in really fast and get all these really cool high kicks and stuff. And how if you train full contact, it can be applicable. Guess what? He did. He does American Kempo. He he does full contact American Kempo, and he pulls that shit off, and it's fucking amazing. If we're talking about flashy techniques, um, I really would like to bring up Kyokushin, which you know I'm not the biggest fan of Kyokushin. They've got a kick that they call Domo Ashikaitengei, right? It's just a wheel kick. It's extremely flashy. But if you go on YouTube, you're going to find umpteen million different pictures of knockouts, well, different videos of knockouts from this kick. It's flashy, but since it's hard to block, why not throw it? Since it's hard to take and still be standing, why not throw it? It's literally a last-ditch effort. Entertaining stuff like that is why people get on YouTube. They want to find stuff that will keep them entertained and keep them sitting there for a while. Well, if we're bringing up flashy, then I suppose we should move on to uh, practical. So, uh, how practical for self-defense is MMA? Um, I'll go really simple on this. It can be really practical. Punching works. Submissions and takedowns work, too. It just all really depends on the mindset and how you can make it work. I mean, a punch is useless if it doesn't connect. If you can train MMA and then make it work, make it where you can hit somebody who's trying to hit you, make it where you can slam somebody who's trying to hit you, make it where you can take someone's arm, rip it off and take it home with you, sure, go for it. Really, it's in the mindset. It's how you can apply it. My mindset towards self-defense in general is it doesn't exist. Either you can fight or you can't fight. And there's different, there are different ways to fight. You can approach a fight. Not just in striking or grappling, but even within those lenses, there are different air ways to fight. You know, you've got boxing, which is a very good effective self-defense. And it's literally, what, four types of strikes with one on either side. Or you've got Muay Thai, which is, uh, which is all the boxing strikes plus, uh, plus a, a certain amount of, all the boxing strikes. Which, which is all the boxing strikes plus a certain amount of kick, then elbows, knees, and clinch, which mixes in the grappling. And then within grappling, you have wrestling takedowns, judo throws, and submissions, you know? But, and, they, and it goes all around. You have all sorts. You have trapping, you have control, stand grappling, joint locks, whatever. It, that doesn't matter. None of that matters. Can you fight with it? No matter what you're doing, can you fight or can't you fight? That's it. Yeah, I mean, I would say that MMA is definitely... I mean, I think it would be good self-defense, assuming, you know, you have a wide variety of techniques in your arsenal. Um, just because, you know, if, if your base is just grappling or just striking and, you know, just like a little bit of other techniques, I don't think that's great. But if you know a wide variety of techniques and you're good at them, I mean, each self-defense situation is going to be a little different. So 
my thought is more weapons and techniques you have, the better you're going to be. Um, of course, if you suck at them, then it doesn't matter how many te techniques you have. But, you know, if you're trained in a bunch of different styles, hopefully some of that stuff's going to be better than if you train in isolation. I would like to bring something up based on that. All right. The difference between training mixed martial arts and a mix of martial arts. Just because you train multiple arts and you merge them together does not mean you're an MMA fighter. There is a huge misconception that if you want to train mix if you're training more than one art, you're training MMA. No, you're not. You're just mixing different arts to make it work. You don't have to label yourself to that term. I know everyone brings up Bruce Lee, but be like water. Conform to whatever environment you're dropped in. You train a mix of judo and Muay Thai because you think, hey, this flows well, this flows really well for myself, then go ahead, do it. But you don't have to sit there and tell everyone, well, I just do MMA. No. If you're using MMA in the sense of does mixed martial arts work? Yeah. The mixing of martial arts works really well. But MMA has really become standardized to the point where it's a mix of boxing, kickboxing, and BJJ. Some wrestling added in just so you don't get pummeled. It's not really yeah, a mixed martial arts anymore. It's a standard system. People will often say MMA is not, is not a system. MMA is not a style. Then how do you explain all the MMA gyms that literally just don't even offer separate classes, they just teach MMA. How do you explain that every division, even the one that were not created by the Gracies, are still using that striking BJJ mix? It's not because it's the best mix. There are plenty of more effective mixes out there. Look at Khabib. He doesn't do BJJ, and he is the most accomplished grappler in MMA right now. It's just because that's the standard. That's the style. It's the same as Jeet Kune Do. Bruce Lee never wanted Jeet Kune Do to be a style, and guess what? People are training Jeet Kune Do. So with, uh, with that out of the way, let's move on to our next question, yeah? Which martial art do you guys most want to train? Martial arts that we have, we are currently training that we pre would prefer to keep with the most, or martial arts we have New not martial trained? Art. New martial arts? Hmm. Probably wait for you. I think I could um have some fun in the wait for you. It could be fun. It could be enjoyable. Why? What do you enjoy about it? The mindset of oh, we're just gonna break you and keep going. So is it a striking it art? Well. Striking and grappling. I think I could enjoy it because it's really similar to a lot of the arts that I've already trained, but I could get some new things from it. It's a lot of conditioning. Some of the best conditioning I've seen within any martial art. There's some really tough guys. I think that I'd enjoy it. I really do. Right, so Ereichiryu, in essence, is really close-range fighting, every aspect of it. I've seen some takedowns from Oichiryu that are really similar to Judo in Japanese Jiu-Jitsu, but a little bit different. They're more so on not sacrificing any of their body weight to throw you from 
a position where you are not physically strong. Their strikes are a lot of open-handed and striking with the fingers, which I can I can sit there and I can throw nukite, spearhand someone in the throat, but I'm not going to sit there and just stab them in the xiphoid process like a lot of Uechiri Yuka will. They're just some really tough guys. They're conditioning. There's guys out there that are, they'll break baseball bats with their forearms. They'll sit there and their spear hand through sandbags. They do all kinds of things that are just really impressive. And I feel like their conditioning could benefit me as a fighter. Their grappling, it's pretty decent. Their striking, pretty decent. But it's may, it's pretty much the Hojo Undo, your supplementary training that they have, that I would really think, I really think I would benefit the most from that. So a martial art that I want to train is judo. Um, being 5-1, I love the idea of being able to slam a larger opponent on the ground. Um, there's not really anywhere I can learn judo near me. It's just like MMA gyms that have a judo class like once a week. And I can't really learn from that uh, because I don't want to practice something for a whole week only lear to learn that I ingrained a bad technique into me. Uh, but yeah, the idea of just judo, it's very different from what I've learned and what I'm currently learning. So I don't know, it just seems like fun. For me personally, it's not a specific martial art, but it's a I think it's close, it's close enough to a specific martial art. I want to expand my knowledge into the Filipino martial art. Uh, Lower has trained me a little bit in the basic drills of Lameco. Um, so well, the reason I want to train Filipino arts is I, I've spoken to Lower about this because I feel like Filipino arts have a key to them and a sort of secret to them that is key to the rest of traditional art. And uh, it's something I'm going to expand on later. We're going to maybe make posts and videos about it. But in the most simple way possible, Filipino arts, more than any other art, have mastered the concept of concept. Like, nothing they train is just to use it as it is. It's all about learning something and then applying it to anything else. Like, limitless application, once you've got this. You can do it, you do it, use it for whatever. Once you've got this, you can use it for whatever you want. Whatever you have to come against. It's all about drills and ideas. And um, I think that I, I've also got a post coming out. It's either going to be out by the time this podcast is up or a little after this podcast is up about um, a possible link between Wing Chun, my base art, and the Filipino art. It's got a lot of similarities, and it's got a lot of stuff that I think can help expand any traditional As well art. as karate. So the linkage yeah. between a karate as well. Well, according to uh, a, a, a certain karate nerd. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's Filipino art, sturdy art that I want to uh, train in the most. All right, guys, it seems we made it to our last question, so just to finish up here, um, what is your favorite weapon? So I have a couple different favorite weapons. Um, I really like the Karambit, just because it looks like a lot of fun. But honestly, I have no idea how to use it. <laughs> um, and then for ones I actually know how to use, I like the Nunchaku because they're fun to swing around. But I also really like the Bow Staff because I know a bunch of like fun tricking with it. 
So, I mean, really all the weapons are pretty fun. Uh, so, I don't know. I just like the different ranges that they do. I like tricking with them, honestly. Uh, so, Nunchaku and Bow, just because I have familiarity with them. But then, for ones I don't have familiarity with, would be the Karambit. I can agree the Karambit is a pretty cool weapon. I call it a Velociraptor knife because of uh, Jurassic Park, when they have the Velociraptor claw, and he's talking about, like, cutting people's bellies open with it, and also, like, their crawl and the way it sort of looks in it. Um, for me personally, I think the coolest weapon, now that's, that's actually a really difficult question because I have a wide array currently, but not many that I'm actually trained in. I just like collecting. Yeah, the, the butterfly knives, the Wing Chun Butt them now, they're pretty cool. They're like machetes, but they have a hook on the back, like the Sai to entrap arms and weapons. Um, to me, bows are incredibly practical, but also kind of boring. Uh, sword, honestly, any sword is probably my favorite. My favorites are uh, Nordic swords, like old Viking swords, and uh, Chinese Jian, not like the Tai Chi ones, like, or I guess a falchion. European, anyone who's done Hemo will know. Falchion, Europeans, uh, sort of curved blade. Alright, so for mine, I'm gonna have two answers, right? One for practicality, two for wow factor, because it's, they're just cool to watch. So, for practicality, you may know where I'm gonna go with this, but my favorite martial arts weapon for practicality, or daily application, Gun. Is a nine is a nine mil with hollow points. I'm am just gonna point that out. You got a nice double stack mag. You got a you got more trigger pulls than you're gonna need, and hollow points usually do the job. You spend the time, you learn the weapon, it works. For coolness, balisong. There is nothing more entertaining and more me mesmerizing than a balisong. Which those of you who don't know what a balisong is, it's a butterfly knife. I'm pretty sure you'll know what a butterfly knife is. So there's my two answers. And the other thing's a gun. Yes, practicality, a gun. Preferably a 9 mil with hollow points. So your answer sure. is a piece and the thing that you used to cut your fingers off. Yes, and my finger has reattached, so it's fine. Isn't there a video on YouTube of you slicing your fingers open because you fucked up? No, there's a video of me that is that is cut off right before I slice my fingers open. I just remember chilling with you on a, on a voice call once, and you were just like, my finger's bleeding, I don't know how that happened. And I was like, you've been swinging around the butterfly knife for the past half an hour, how the fuck do you mean, what do you, mean you don't know how that happened? Yeah, well, I mean, for wow factor, there's nothing better than a ballast song. But for practicality, I can't, I can't find anything that that kills people deader than dead, more so than a gun. See, I'm not allowed a ballast song because they're illegal here. Well, I mean, you're not allowed a gun either. Technically, you can get them here with like right licensing and stuff and certain ones. Well, tell me if this is true. 
this is kind of off of our question, but I heard from someone that to make a handgun legal in the UK, you have to add a pipe to the bottom of the the bottom of your grip that extends towards your own body for I think it's two foot. That way, it's not classified as a handgun. Do you know if that's true or no? I'm pretty sure that's not true. Like, there's a way that you're supposed to be able to get around owning a handgun versus I'm just, you know, a long gun. I'm just picturing, like, like, like in Transformers, the original series, when Megatron transforms into a pistol and he's got, like, a big-ass stick coming out the back. Okay, so if I find you a picture of it, could you include the picture of the gun right now so I can show yeah. you what I'm talking about? Here, I'll be one second. <sighs> but as far as I'm aware, like, I've seen uh, I've seen gun shops in the UK, and they didn't have any sticks on the guns. They had, like, a, I think, I think it was a Desert Eagle, and then some hunting rifles. And I know that, uh, I know that um, the upper rhinos are illegal. Everyone, this has been Combat Connection. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Uh, we have them coming out monthly. Please hit subscribe if you enjoyed this. We are also on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook, so follow us there. And we will see you next month unless you decide to follow us on one of these other platforms. And uh, you should. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed this little Q&A. If you have any questions or any comments you'd like to make, you can email us, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or our website. All of such will be linked down below.